Welcome to Golf Better at Worldwide Golf Shops. Episode 240. Hello everyone, Tom Purcell here. Thanks so much for joining us. Glad you're with us. First time or long time, doesn't matter. We are just so happy that you joined us, and especially so today. Our guest joins us from out in sunny California. You know her as the host of Callaway Live and also the interviewer of post-round play for CBS Golf. And she joins us today courtesy of our friends at Callaway Golf, Miss Amanda Balionis. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Amanda, if you don't mind, could you share with our audience a little bit about how you got started, how you, how you fell in love with broadcast journalism and the sports side and how, how everything came to fruition? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because I never in a million years thought I would end up in the golf industry. Uh, I grew up on a golf course. My parents are golf fanatics. My grandparents met on a golf course, um, so it's, it's been in my life forever. And I think because of that, I always kind of pushed it away a little bit, as, as most kids do when your parents try to push stuff on you. Um, so I actually, I knew I, I always wanted to be um, in journalism of some sort. I, I thought for a long, long time I wanted to be a news reporter um, and change the world and, you know, really get down and dirty with, with important things happening um, in our country. And uh, I quickly learned that I was not built for that, um, that things would upset me. I couldn't leave, you know, really hard news stories at work and come home and still, you know, be okay. So I decided, okay, well, maybe sports is more something that I've always, you know, I've always been passionate about. I played sports my whole life, um, junior golf growing up. I was on the swim team in middle school and then picked up volleyball and played that through college. So um, I actually did a couple internships with the New York Jets and the New York Islanders and then also with CBS in New York. And that is when I kind of realized that, you know, my, I definitely had a passion for television. I definitely had a passion for sports. Um, and I think fusing those two hopefully – somehow down the road would work enough where um, I could support myself because <laughs> it's a very challenging, uh, it's a challenging industry to try to break into. So, um, yeah, I started out actually, I got a really lucky break. I was working for a newspaper at home part-time and they, my deal with them was I could do the news or I could do some sports online, which nobody really had an online presence yet at that point. It was about, it was in 2008. And uh, they would let me kind of have free reign of the sports videos that they did online if I would work part-time as a news reporter for them, as a hard news reporter. So that's what I did for them. And then I got laid off um, about six months into it. And the day after I got laid off, I got a phone call from a Hofstra alumni asking if I'd be interested um, in coming up and auditioning for a sideline position with uh, Verizon Fios Channel 1 at the time it was called. And uh, my audition was actually a live uh, Princeton football game as their sideline reporter. And it was kind of a sink or swim situation. And uh, it was great. They hired me for the rest of the season. And then from there, I got picked up for the MSG Network in New York and did every sport pretty much except for golf. Uh, And then in 2011, the PGA Tour called and said, you know, we've seen your demo. Would you be interested in coming down to Florida um, and maybe auditioning for us? And at that time, I think it was January in New York. So there was about three feet of snow on the ground. 
I flew down to Florida. It was 75 and sunny. And I said, you know, I don't know a ton about the PGA Tour, but I am in. <laughs> and uh, they hired me. They taught me everything um, I really needed to know about the game. I was just completely inundated. And I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with covering it, talking about it, um, being at the courses, just watching it on TV. I, I really couldn't get enough. I still can't get enough. Um, and things just kind of escalated from there in, in this golf industry. So it's it's been kind of an interesting journey. I think anyone that's in broadcast journalism will tell you if you have a plan, it will pretty much never happen the way you think it's going to. But uh, everything's worked out really, really well in the end. Yeah, the digital side on PGA Tour, you had what? buy a mulligan and trending on tour and some of the other things you were doing. And then Callaway came along, right? Yeah, uh, it was interesting. So when I joined the tour in 2011, the role they hired me for was, was pretty small and pretty limited. Um, and I was lucky enough to work with a group of people who really saw they had a vision for expanding this role and expanding the digital uh, presence of the PGA tour in general. So I was kind of there at the right time to help grow um, those franchises uh, that you mentioned. Bayou Mulligan was uh, an idea I had from watching another kind of ridiculous show on Bravo that airs at like 11 o'clock at night. And I said, thank you. Um, and I said, you know, I think this could work um, for golfers to, to, get the, get, to get to know them in a way that maybe we don't really see otherwise. Um, and it kind of caught on, which I thought was really cool. And then Callaway called and said, you know, I've, always, I've had a great relationship with them for so many years, um, you know, not only through social media, but just always really respected everything Callaway did in such a short period of time to turn themselves from a company that most people affiliated with an older demographic to now a really cool, a forward-thinking company that was dominating the digital side, you know, in every aspect um, and really targeting these demographics that, that we talk about hitting now, right, the millennials and, and those that come in and really get most of their news uh, from online, from Twitter, from Instagram, from Facebook. So I just thought that was amazing uh, what Harry and Chad and this whole team was able to do in such a short period of time. So they called me and said, we're, we're thinking about bringing on someone full-time uh, to host the things that we need to host for on-air, not only for uh, you know the TV and digital side, but also for Sirius XM Radio and for podcasts and other things that come up. And I'd always wanted to live in San Diego. Um, I knew I was going to love working with this team before I even stepped into the office. So it was pretty much a no-brainer um, to make that life change and, and see what could happen. And if your life can't get any crazier, CBS Golf comes involved. They, <laughs> they come knocking. And I, but I tell you, honestly, if, if you look up the words classy golf broadcasting in the dictionary, you, you go straight to the CBS page. It, you couldn't be with a more first-class organization. It, it honestly truly is the best team in golf. And I think what is most amazing about that team, not just, you know, the Jim Nances and the Gary McCords and the Nick Faldos, um, you know, the Peter Costas, those guys have been there forever. And those are the forward facing, you know, sides of CBS golf. But when you meet the producers and the directors and the cameramen and the spotters, they've all been there for 30 plus years, you know, and they've all been working together for that length of time. And it really speaks volumes about, not only the quality of the broadcast, you know, the, the better and longer teams can work together, you know, I think that obviously the better that product's going to be, 
Um, but also it speaks to the amazing culture of how everybody loves their job. They feel valued. Um, it's, it's really a special, it's a special team to be a part of for sure. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head, Amanda, as far as the longevity of these guys. You don't see any balls lost in flight or any really foul-ups in production. These guys are all over. Even even the shots coming out of the blimp are just amazing. Yeah, you know, and that, that really – that's great that you say that because in live TV, things are always going wrong behind the scenes. But the goal is to make sure the viewer never sees that, you know. So I, I know a couple of weeks ago – we had a bunch of our cameras all go down for about 30 to 35 minutes while we were live on air and no one noticed except for, you know, the guys that were scrambling and working their butts off to get those cameras back up. But everyone behind the scenes and in and, and front as well, are, they're so good at their jobs that they're able to work around um, the things that for, you know, for, for me at least, I would think, man, this could really demolish this broadcast but they're so good and they've been there for so long and there's really nothing you can throw at these guys that, you know, that they can't handle and handle seamlessly. Well, you're doing something for CBS that they've never done before. Take us a little bit behind the scene. What goes on once you hit the ground at a tournament site that week? Yeah. So um, it kind of depends on what's happening early week, but generally I fly in um, on Thursdays or Fridays if we don't have any, um, things that we need to pre-record early in the week. Uh, Memorial, for example, we had an hour-long shoot with Jack Nicholas um, on Wednesday, I believe, of the tournament. So I flew in a little bit earlier and had the chance, you know, to meet him and talk through basically his whole back nine uh, on the smart cart. And, you know, Jack Nicholas is learning how to tell us straight like John Madden, and it was just like the coolest thing uh, in the world. And at the end of it, he said to me, he said, Amanda, do you want to play me in a game of tic-tac-toe? And I said, uh, sure, Mr. Nicholas. And we played a game of tic-tac-toe right on the smart cart with the Telestrator, and it was amazing. Uh, but when those kinds of things aren't happening, uh, generally I try to walk the entire course on Friday after I fly in. And then we meet with the ShotLink guys and uh, read over our own notes, of the, you know, the research that we've all done. And I meet with one or two producers, and we kind of just go over the storylines of the week. Um, and really, to me, the goal of the smart card is not to provide the storylines. If there's a story that needs to be told, it's a story that Jim Nance and, you know, Nick Faldo will always be able to tell better than I can in, in a two-minute hit. Um, to me, the goal is to be able to highlight a certain um, maybe bullet point in a story that otherwise maybe wouldn't be told. So when we talk about difficult courses and what makes courses so challenging, um, I'm able to hone in on one aspect of that that hopefully then will play a part in the broadcast that people can say, oh, well, now I know why that's happening. Um, you know, in Memphis, for instance, on the PGA Tour, it's the number one course where most balls are in the water. And we did a hit on that, uh, you know, I think on Sunday afternoon as the you know, final groups in contention are coming down that stretch. And it was right before, I believe, the 12th hole, and we, we did our hit, and we talked about all the balls that have gone in the water and, you know, how over par guys usually play on that hole. And right when they cut back to the next shot on 12, it was a ball in the water from someone in contention. So, you know, it's, it's those things, they don't always work out that beautifully, but to be able to explain to a viewer, hey, keep an eye out for something like this. This happens a lot, and this is usually – um, you know, the challenges players face them when that does happen, for them to see it then and understand it a little bit better, 
um, is, is kind of the goal of what we do with the smart card. When you get the player coming off the course, is it right after the 18th hole or do they go check the card first? Yeah, so they always have to go to scoring um, immediately after finishing their round. But then the great thing is CBS is obviously the main rights holder, so we get um, our first pick of players first, which um, really does make a difference. I, you know, when I was with the PGA Tour, we would get guys after they had done five, six, or, or even seven interviews. And by then, they're just worn out. You know, there, there's only so many questions you can ask a guy after his round, whether he played well or not well or whatever it is. Um, you know, and you, and you start to really get generic answers, short answers. Um, but what's awesome is, you know, we kind of get first pick with these players. So we're the first people they talk to. A lot of times their emotions um, are still high. Their honesty is still up there. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit not as protected, I would say. Their, their guard tends to be a little bit lower uh, when you're the first one that gets to talk to them about whatever you know, you want to break down and then being able to show them their highlights in that cart as well and have them talk through what they were thinking or what they were feeling during certain shots and showing them their emotions, you know, on their face that maybe they weren't aware that they were showing uh, is a pretty cool aspect too. Hey, let's shift gears to your employer, the ones who brought you here, Callaway Golf. Uh, You mentioned earlier about turning the brand from a kind of an older, let me hit my divine nine wood or whatever, to a cool, cool brand. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of this starts at the top, and Chip came in a few years back and, you know, had to make some tough tough calls. But, boy, they've got it. Callaway has it going on now. Talk about how it's just so – it's a trendy brand. Talk about sure. how it is and how, how it is to work there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with, with that starts from the top. I think a culture, and anyone who works in any industry can relate to this, the culture always starts at the top and trickles down. Um, and that is, I say this all the time, people ask me what it's like to work at Callaway. It's the best culture I've ever worked in, um, hands down. It, it starts absolutely with Chip and with Harry um, these are guys that truly believe that golf is cool and that golf deserves to have people that want to push the game forward even more. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of lacking in golf in general. You know, I think a lot of people get a little bit nervous to try things that are new and different, or they get so caught up in the tradition or what they perceive as the traditions of the game and, and what makes it great, and nothing ever changes. Um, and I think Callaway looks at that completely differently and they say you know we all love the game here but we want to continue to progress we want to continue to innovate um, and be the first people to try things and the great thing about that is they know you know everyone at the top knows not everything we try is going to work but they'd rather have us try new things and have it not work than not try anything at all because what ends up happening is something cool comes from it no matter what the idea is it may not be you know, the initial idea, maybe we say, oh, okay, that didn't really work so well. But the whole team is always ready to pivot at a moment's notice and take the good from a failure and turn that into something um, that's, that's a huge success. And I think that's what you see, I mean, every single day from, from these guys with, you know, they're on the ground trying to communicate with, with the entire Callaway community, um, you know, out there pushing products in a new way. Um, you know, ev- everything that happens here on a day-to-day basis is just no one is working because they're scared to lose their job. You know, no one's scared to make a mistake here. Everybody here understands we're in this together. We're a team. 
let's try and make the coolest stuff we can. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Then, you know, we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. And I just think that's an amazing culture to work in that I don't think a lot of people really get no matter what industry they're in. Well, Amanda, before I let you go, I got to put you on the clock. Okay. Five questions, 50 seconds. We ask you five irrelevant questions. You give us some five, five irrelevant or relevant answers, whichever you prefer. You ready to go? Let's do it. Question number one for Amanda Balionis. Of all the places you've been to, either with CBS or Callaway, favorite course you've been to? Ooh, favorite course I've been to. I guess I have to say Augusta, right? Nothing tops Augusta. <laughs> but question number two, the bucket list course that you haven't been to that you want to go to? Mm, that's a really good question. What is my... Um, I would say Pine Valley. Pine Valley, great choice. Question number three for Amanda Balianus. Who would be more likely to make it as a stand-up comedian, Harry Arnett or Gary McCord? Oh, man. Gary McCord would make it until he got fired or something really inappropriate happened that he was never allowed back on stage again. So I'm going to go Gary McCord would make it more quickly, but Harry Arnett would have the longevity. Question number four. You've got one round of golf left to play here on Earth. Who are your other three partners you'll be in your foursome? Who are my other three partners? Definitely. Um, oh, I have to go my grandfather. Um, I was. I never got to play golf with him because by the time I started working here, uh, working in golf, he had already passed away, and he is the biggest golf fan, so that would have been amazing uh, to do. I think I'd also would have loved, obviously, to have played with Arnold Palmer, mainly for the fact that I never actually got to meet him, introduce myself, and shake his hand, which was always something that was at the very, very top of my bucket list. Um, and my third person, this is always kind of my answer and people make fun of me, but I'd like to play golf with Beyonce because why not Beyonce? <laughs> and final, final question, Amanda, in 18 years, the year 2035, Jim Nance will have just completed broadcasting his 50th masters. Which of the young guns of today will be in that, on that leaderboard in 2035? In 2035? Huh. So which are the, puts, of the young them guys in their out 40s. here now? Correct. That's a good question. So um, can I go with the guy that just, just punched his ticket to the PGA Tour? You sure can. Okay, I'm going to go Aaron Wise. He's a new guy that we have on staff. We actually just interviewed him earlier today. Um, and in his first year on tour, in under a year, he's won on PGA Tour Canada. He just won on the Web.com Tour, wire-to-wire fashion at 20 years old. And we'll see him on the PGA Tour next year. And after talking to him, he has the maturity of a 40-year-old and is showing no signs of stopping. He's ready to go. And I think this kid is going to be an unbelievable presence for a very long time uh, for us on the PGA Tour. And did you know, Jim Nance, that was his goal to broadcast 50 Masters? That is it. That was his. That was his uh, goal to start in 1986 and finish in yep. 2035. Yeah, that yeah. was the number. <laughs> well, you did it, Amanda. Five questions in a little over 50 seconds, but we knocked them out, and, and we'll write down Aaron's name to, to to look back. Hey, before we let you go, we've got listeners all over the country, actually all over the world, on our podcast. Um, final words from Amanda Balionis to the listeners here at Worldwide Golf Shops. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to say, I've gone to a couple events um, for Worldwide Golf, and every single person I've met, it's very similar to the culture here at Callaway. Everyone seems to love their job, love what they do, and, and love the game. Um, so to everyone that works 
uh, for Worldwide Golf. Thank you for what you do. We love, 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 love um, being partners with you guys. And to everyone listening, thank you for loving golf as much as we do, because if not for all of you, we wouldn't get to have our dream jobs, right? Right. Hey, Amanda, thanks so much for carving out the time. I know you're busy. Uh, you're always busy, but uh, thanks for not being too busy for us. Hopefully we can do it again. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Well, that was fantastic. Uh, a little behind the curtain and behind the scenes with Amanda Ballion as you see her on CBS Sports, but more importantly on Callaway Live, brought to us by our friends at Callaway Golf. Well, special thanks to Amanda for joining us, to Callaway Golf for making it happen, and to you, our listeners. And we'll do it again next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at WorldwideGolfShops.com. So long, everyone.